Hello, welcome to another episode of the Horror Vision Presents Elements of Horror. I'm Sean. I'm Missy. I am Pantyless Anthony. Ah. <laughs> Panthony? I don't know, it didn't work. <laughs> I'll take it. So, we're going to talk about Brian De Palma's Dress to Kill. 1980. So this would be shit, man. So here's here's a funny thing about this. When I grew up uh, as a teenager, when I got into movies, you know, I mean, it was all I I didn't see genre, right? I I not that I didn't watch them, I didn't see like the partitions, so I'd watch anything, and you know. In the 90s, like Scarface hadn't been ruined yet by the fan base. So Scarface, um, Carlito's Way, those were, I still, Carlito's Way is still fantastic. But, and Scarface is great, but it's been ruined. Um, But that's how I knew Brian De Palma. And then, because I didn't see Carrie as a kid. And then later in life, you know, oh, he did Carrie. And then I realized in seeing ads or reading something about Carrie, like, I remember seeing a poster and it was like from the master of the macabre, Brian De Palma. And then you go back and look and it's like, oh, before he did the kind of gangster thing, he was like marketed kind of his movies as like, oh, Brian De Palma, the master of the macabre. And he was um, very much of the Hitchcock. I mean, Dress to Kill is, it is such a, uh, I say modern, even though now it's, you know, 40 something years ago, but it's, post-Hitchcock Hitchcock, right? Or at least an attempt at it. I'm not saying it's as good. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that's... You can see that that's one of his major influences. So, yeah, I mean, he had a run of flicks right around this time in the late 70s, early 80s that are very macabre. This is obviously his version of a giallo, which was happening a lot in, you know, this point, 1980. And uh, I'm I'm happy to be talking about this movie, even though I'm gonna I have some reservations. But uh, guys, so let, Anthony, let me start with you because this is your pick. So talk to me. What made you pick it? Tell me any your personal history with this movie. I first saw this flick thirteen. I was actually discussing this with uh, Cecilia earlier. I was talking about how um, I was sick. I was homesick um, with a really bad flu uh, around thirteen. So I'm gonna say what's that? Um, seventh grade junior high something yeah that's, that's right um homesick and we had like free preview week or something like that so i had like ifc hbo i remember watching a bunch of great samurai movies on ifc and i remember hbo had dressed to kill and um you know grandma was like you have the flu stay in the den i'm gonna leave you to your own devices i'll call you when lunch is ready don't get me sick and that was my first time experience watching Dress to Kill in its entirety, you know, around the age of 13. Um, not really fully understanding what I was watching beyond, you know, my previous experience with the Palma, which was Carrie at the time. I mean, Carrie was one of those ones, you know, a childhood staple for me. I grew up watching Carrie and Scarface was a regular thing going on in the family all the time. Not that we were all involved in cocaine sales or anything like that, <laughs> but that. But that, you know, it was just a regular, it, it was one of those like, you know, raunchy flicks my dad would throw on from time to time. 
again, I've spoken many times before where my dad didn't really know what to have us watch as children. But, you know, so I'd seen <laughs> several of his movies by that point, and I was, you know, becoming aware of who did what and, you know, what I was starting to like. And so I was eager to give this one a chance. And, you know, that's back when I had the TV guide and would kind of like, okay, I'm sick. Let me plan out my next couple of days. And that was one that I, I set out to watch. Let me ask real quick, what year would this have been? Circa. Um, circa 90, I'm going to say 90. What was that, 95? Okay, 90? mid-90s, no. mid-90s. Okay, so 15 years after it came out. Yeah, something like that. So it'd been it'd been around for a while. And it okay. had already been a name, and it's always it had always you know. It, granted, I didn't have many friend circles that you know I could go and talk to about film like that. But you know, it was one of those things where I came to school and next day you know what I watched. Um, but no, I remember being glued to the TV, um, watching it, and and which is odd because I remember it was early. It was like ten a.m. or something like that. And um, no, I had a great time watching the film. It wasn't as gory or or as over the top as you know the Friday the Thirteenth and other slasher films that I was accustomed to at the time, but I knew it was something different. And I knew at that time watching those those couple of movies, like I said, some of those samurai films that I watched that week are still some of my favorite films of all time today mm -hmm. because just you know. I got a chance to watch an artsy, artsy channel. <laughs> well, to, and, and know, it's also time and place. Stuff, That's the thing. You're yeah. exposed to something new. So it's time and place. Yeah, it's. Yeah, I remember not long after that, you know, having a discussion in like, you know, ninth grade high school uh, film appreciation class about how I enjoyed those movies. And my teacher pulled me aside. I was like, you like that? Check this out, this out, this out, this out, and this out. And don't tell anybody else that I told you about this. And, you know. Um, I got to see a lot more crazy stuff. That's how I was exposed to like Nicholas Rogue's Walkabout, which is another one of my my all time favorite films. Um, yeah, the, this this movie was just kind of one of those gateways to um, cinema, not just yes. a popcorn flick. You know what I mean? This was this was a gateway to beautiful cinematography, great acting, wonderful score. I will say this movie is scored fantastically. It, it, it's it's beautiful. Um, and I know you guys are getting ready to tear this movie down. No, not, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> but as far as my first experience goes with it, it, it has been a film that has had a lasting effect. And the reason why I chose this film is because, and we'll get into that as we get into spoiler territory and whatnot. I mean, there's it's obvious, you know, what we're, um, what we're dealing with. And, um, and it's it's just one of those movies. Like I said, it's had a lasting effect on me. And it was that. And the reason why is because it was that gateway film to what am I watching? This isn't what I'm used to. This isn't the, you know, the um, the standard eyes through the mask that I'm watching. This is this is something much deeper. And um, I've always had a, a, a great appreciation for De Palma films as I got older. And even today, like I, I will still give most of his his uh, modern films a chance. And uh, the guys, the guys, really not done a lot of bad in my eyes. And uh, with the exception of, and I, I go back and forth on this. And you know, much like you said with Scarface, where it's like I think it's the fans that ruined the yeah. movie. 
but um but he's he's has a long history of making these like bonkers uh really out there flicks that walk the line uh between you know horror and other genres and i think horror has always been a place that's been home home for him but you know i I was always glad to see that he's he's willing to you know meander in and out of different genres but but there's always been um this home for him there's always been this place for him and and i'm i'm glad to see that the guy is still cranking out films but you know um this flick in all honesty it's just one of those ones that's near and dear to me and i'm you know glad i own it and and um even though it's been some time since i've watched it i would love to sit down and watch this one a little more frequently not maybe once every other year or something like that i like to throw it on but yeah this is a good film in my opinion guys uh missy go ahead (laughs) okay um all right i'll start out i I'm not very familiar with Brian De Palma's films, um, except for Carrie. I grew up watching Carrie, and whenever I hear his name, that's immediately what I think of. I didn't even realize he also did Toledo's Way, which I watched fairly recently because Sean was recommending it. Um, otherwise, I don't think I've seen most of the other movies you guys mentioned, except Scarface, because it's my brother's favorite movie. Um I had seen Dress to Kill talked about on a couple of horror documentaries I've watched fairly recently. It might have been on one of the In Search of Darknesses. I'm not entirely sure. So, I mean, it's been it's been on my list to check it out. Uh, so, I am not unhappy that we watched this. In fact, I'm glad we watched the movie. Um, and while I have some issues, I absolutely loved the way it was the way it was filmed i could sit and just analyze can the camera angles for days um so i i definitely did did enjoy the film just not maybe so much for the story more for the art of how it's crafted you know i i it's one of the there's a handful of movies where i feel like i encountered them when i was younger and i just don't remember you know the first time I can vividly remember watching this movie is within the last, let's say 2018. My boss lent it to me. I did not have as hard a time with it at that time that I did this time. So I mentioned in a text and Missy was like, I don't understand. I said, I'll, I'll try to explain the macro view of this movie. I mean, it's very well made. Uh, it's hearts in the right place. It is transgressive for the time. And, you know, sometimes what's transgressive 40 years later, it's not anymore. And so you lose that. But I know what 1980 was like because I was alive to some, you know, I mean, I would have been four. But so and as that like extension of the Hitchcock, like the the thriller, the macabre thriller, like all applause. But when you get into the surface, when you live in the movie, right? I don't like the score. Pino Donaggio. Is real hit or miss for me. Don't look now. It's over. It's overwrought, but it works. This movie, everything with Angie Dickinson, which again, here's the Hitchcock, right? Angie Dickinson's the name actress at this time. She's in the beginning of the movie. She's killed, you know, within the first act or whatever. So that's psycho. I mean, I, I, I don't know how big Janet Lee was when that, you know, I mean, I don't know how exactly that equates, but that's 
it's definitely modeled after to some degree. And society was different. But there's nothing in about her arc is sexy or in, I mean, she just annoys the fuck out of me. And I, but I, I also get that, like, this is like the, the late 70s, early 80s, you know, you had your 60s, the sexual revolution, and it filters into the 70s and the 80s in a way where, like, this housewife, like, I get it. She's like timid about it, but, but wants to. But, so, it seems trite to me now, but it that's my baggage, right? But I, I just feel like the whole beginning is so over-fucking-done. And it's mainly, it, well, it's her, but it's also the score. It's just, it's just so, it's like, I get it. I get it. Can we back it back it off? I get it. I, it feels like William Forsythe in in uh, Devil's Rejects. That's what the Pino Donaggio score is like in the first quarter of this movie. And that really just set the tone for my viewing last night because I was just like, oh my God. But also, fuck me, because this is like my observation. I'm not saying it's wrong, but I'm also not saying it's right. And I could see how in 1980, the circuitous nature of that whole scene in the exchange could be thrilling. It's not, it's just not now. I had never seen it before. And I had a lot of the issues that you did with the the, the first 32 minutes up of the film, up, up until um, Angie Dickinson dies. Once she dies and we get into the rest of the story and it shifts the focus from her to, um, to Liz and Peter, it got a lot more interesting. Yes. But the first 32 minutes dragged for me. Um I I don't I don't like her character. I think she's supposed to be sympathetic. I don't think she's supposed to be sympathetic. Okay. I I don't know what exactly her her purpose was really other than to die. Um I thought that I was just missing it. She she irritates the crap out of me. And the score I like I like like half the score and I hate the other half. <laughs> but like when it gets into like the darker or more aggressive stuff, I I dig where the score goes. In the beginning, it, it kind of sounds like soap opera music and it was just it didn't feel like it went with the movie and then we're we're doing all this stuff following Kate Miller's character around and going to the art museum and everything and it just it was getting to the point where every time she'd do something risky I'm sitting here you know like a 12 year old kid chanting killer killer come on die <laughs> and it, <laughs> I was getting so fucking frustrated and, and then we get to the art museum and it just we're running around in circles and I like the way it's filmed but her character just hurts my fucking brain because first I think she's trying to flirt with the stranger he blows her off and she gets pissed and starts following then she gets spooked turns around and starts running from the same guy that she was chasing a few minutes ago then she jumps in a cab with the stranger and they practically have sex like it's just fucking it's weird and <laughs> i wasn't really sure where it was going except that i mean we all knew she was going to die once she died, I 
I liked where the story went. I wanted more of like either more murders or more of the murder investigation and a little bit less of the housewife who gets killed and all her weird sex scenes in the first 30 minutes of the movie. <laughs> Heard. What would you, what would you, how respond to that, Anthony? Anything. Anything? Yeah. I mean, all I can do is defend this film. No, no, dude, hey, you don't have to defend this. Like, you don't have to defend it. And I don't. don't. The fuck I don't. (laughs) I would gladly turn this on again right now and watch it again. Yeah, I don't hate it by any means. I just. Yeah, like as far as like the annoyance with Angie Dickinson's character, I totally get that. And I see that. I'm looking at this through the lens of what was popular at the time. And it's like, okay, De Palma, you got a new movie. You want to do another movie? This is what's popular right now. What's popular at that time? You know, peak 1980, slashers. Okay, so if he's going to do this, what does he want to do? I want to write it myself. So he writes the script as well and directs. He goes, but if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it my way. So if I'm going to do, you know, senseless nudity and stuff like that, gratuitous nudity, I want there to be a purpose behind it. So he gives this person a character. He gives this character, um, you know, not not an addiction. She's not sex addicted or anything like that. She's neglected, no. is what she is. Exactly. She's neglect. She's neglected, bored housewife, etc. I get it. You, you don't have to feel bad for her because it's like first world problems. Oh, boohoo! You're rich and and bored, whatever. But but it's okay, poignant cool. to 1980. It's point that 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 is a, an an archetype that is real in 1980, right? The neglected, bored housewife. Yeah. So let's talk about like where this goes now and where this draws from. He goes, but okay, I'm going to draw from my influence. So it's clear that he's pulled in stuff from Giallo. So you get the arts, the art uh, gallery scenes, which are akin to like Bird with the Crystal Plumage from um, from uh, you know you can get what I'm saying from Argento. So you have those art those those scenes which are gorgeously shot and they have lots of glass. So it's like okay, well, how can I do my own version of this? If he does this cat and mouse thing, that's gorgeous to watch and dizzying at times it's just a, it, it's just an amazing sequence so then also we're you know we're, we're going to pull in you know the glove killer and stuff like that i mean that's that's not new that's that's stuff that we now have seen in giallo but a lot of a lot of people at the time in american audiences haven't seen so a lot of that's a lot of those those things he's now drawing in and then obviously it's like, okay, now you want your, your, your TNA. I'm going to give you a little bit of TNA. I'm going to give you your gore, this gruesome killing that he does in the elevator, which by today's standards isn't that, you know, it's fairly tame considering. But I mean, when you watch that, that killing, it's very Italian. It's so Italian, it hurts. You know what I mean? But, but he's wearing his, his uh, influences on his sleeves there. And then you, you bring in the Nancy Allen character, um, and I love how it's like, okay, now we're going to flip it. You're not going to have this, you know, housewife character. You're going to have, you're going to see how indiscriminately this killer goes after people because it's not just after this person he wants. He'll, well, obviously he's trying to, you know, he, they, them, I don't know. Uh, they're trying to, um, you know, mask their, uh, their identity, but he's going after a street hooker now, which is really well, she, actually, she's not a street hooker. I take that back. She's she's high end. She's a high end escort, and um, but her her backstory brings you know kind of brings it back down. It, it gets away from the 
hazy giallo aspect of it and kind of brings it back down to to give it a little more grit with old is it new york that they're in at the time i, yeah. I never remember the setting and you know they try to bring back the grittiness of new york and, and you know put the subway scenes in there which is another fantastic scene except for you know the the gang chase which was hysterical honestly um and downright hilarious um but i mean they they bring that in the terror of being stalked the terror of not being believed um and even later on going into um the ending of the film you're not but he so he's again he's doing his 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 version of what a slasher is and you've even got this great sequence towards the end of the film where he's outside and the character, the, the camera's moving about the windows and stuff. Yeah. And it's like he's reminding you, but we're also in America post 78 Halloween. So it's like, I'm also, I also want to show off this new stuff that's going on here too, without being over the top and, you know, um, you know, hockey mask and machete to the head. Like I want to, I, I want to show you that there's other stuff out there that is also just as important. So with that being said, I felt like he was able to make a slasher film that was also multifaceted and show off many different viewpoints of what a slasher could be. And I got that and I respected that. And just like he did with Carlito's way, showing off, you know, the trope of somebody coming back into town after a long time and getting thrown into, you know, the, uh, the mix of of gritty street life again and, and things like that. That's not, that's not a story that hasn't been told before. Right. It's been done, you know? So uh, again, this is just kind of how he, how he again is able to wear his, his, uh, his influences on his sleeve and blend into whatever is going on in modern culture at the time or in cinema and bring a style and flair to the camera that is, unmatched by many people from that time and this time so i mean that's that's what i can say about the film as far as you know it's many perks and even going back to the score like you said don't look now again i'm a nicholas rogue fan so it's one of those things where it just you know it, it, it hit for it hit for me when it it, it showed up here so it, it didn't bother me as much pino Donaggio actually hit, so the thing I always think of him, when I became aware of him, there's this tourist trap, which I really like the score for, The Howling. Really? Yeah, he did okay. The Howling. So okay. he's, he, you, Anthony used the word multifaceted, and I feel like Pino Donaggio is, is exactly that. And with this movie, it's the aesthetic that largely is what alienates me. The locations, the offices, the the furniture, the decor—it's all specific to that time. And I don't like anything about the aesthetic of that. This America in 1980, right? Yeah, there are definitely things about it that I enjoyed. Um, I I love the way he uses reflections through the whole story. You said um, something earlier that blew my mind. I don't. Can can you summate what you said? Most of the time, when when you see Bobby, is in reflections 
um, we also see Dr. Elliot in reflections. Um, the reflections aren't what um, made it, like, I know what I was saying to you earlier was that I think it's, I think it's supposed to be a mystery, but I feel like it was obvious because of what they were doing with the camera. I think what I said about the reflections is that um, how we see ourselves versus how everybody else sees us versus the masks that people wear when they face the world. So everything is a reflection of itself and nothing's actually true. And the whole movie's like that. Um, one of well, my two favorite scenes that use reflections are, I mean, the murder in the elevator is fucking awesome. Like, I I love the way it's filmed. Um, I love the close-up we get of the slashing of the hands um, and how we're watching all of this in the mirror in the corner of the elevator. But the other scene that really, really stood out that uses reflections in an, um, is at the end when Liz is trying to like seduce and distract the doctor, um, you when she propositions propositions him, you see Dr. Elliot's face in the mirror, and then it goes back to her, and she says something to the effect of, "You know, when I come back, I hope to see your clothes next to mine, or we'll get back to the mindfuck." And she leaves. And it, you, again, you see Dr. Elliot's face in a mirror, not, it, you only see him in the mirror. And he smiles and then he starts taking off the tie. I think that's the first time you're seeing, like, Bobby looking at us, being like, okay, you know, now I'm taking over. And then, you know, it cuts back to Liz. But there's, there's, crazy reflections going on through the whole movie. Um, most of the time we see Bobby is in reflections. You see people's faces in the reflections of um, of the razor blade. Um, mirrors, windows, he uses it in really, really cool ways. And then when we're not looking at things through reflections, we're looking at them through like, a, like different lenses. Um, because it's always through a window or through binoculars or so it's all about how like we perceive the world and how we perceive ourselves and how yeah. nobody's seeing anything true yeah Are I love that to... stuff <laughs> um I think he's like I feel like I'm getting half of the the message that he or you know half of what he's trying to tell because I feel like the first thirty minutes or something like he's got something to say and I'm missing it. Um, but the the way he filmed everything just I there's some really cool aerial shots that um. I thought were really well done, um, especially like in again in the elevator when we're seeing the murder, and then it kind of the camera kind of tilts and you see the body slide down the wall. Um, so I mean, I am in no way unhappy that I watched this movie. I did enjoy it. There are just 
the first 30 minutes made me want to scream. It got a lot better after that. <laughs> I love how Michael Caine's character, Dr. Elliot, is very much the proto Hannibal Lecter, also. Um, it's it's the, you know, the um, psychiatrist or, uh, or counselor, what have you, who is, you know, using that. You know, but but under the guise of that, he's something much much worse, which is something that we've seen also in other in other films, i.e., Nightbreed. You know, um, this is proto proto all that. You know what I mean? So it's 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 cool to see you know that that character trait live on in other in other aspects of film. So I thought that was a really cool thing, and I don't know if that's necessarily a trope that was created there. I can't speak for that, but I'm you know it's it's very cool to see that character live on throughout other you know other uh in, in other iterations uh going going forward and in, into horror into the horror pantheon and um and now just uh oh god how can, what else can i say about this thing just that this film um more of a time capsule type film and that's kind of why i have a, an appreciation for it i like that it's 1980 but it's just post seventies and it's not neon eighties. It's this, you know, very, it's got this very cold aesthetic to it. Um, as far as city life goes and whatnot, I like that it's not pretty and the aspects of it that are, isn't enough to shield it or to shield the, the characters from the grittiness and ugliness of, the city around it. It's just this, to me, a near perfect still of what was going on in horror at the time, both abroad and, and domestically. And I kind of see it as a fuck you. I'll give you your slasher, but I'm going to do it my way. And that's the ultimate takeaway from me is, is that he didn't compromise his artistic vision to make something sloppy and he, he didn't go on to make something cookie cutter that will just, you know, sit there and rot on the shelf next to Nightmare on Elm Street 4. I can sing the praises of this film over and over again. And that's what I think I admire the most out of it is that it is his ultimate, you know, screw you to what Hollywood or whomever thinks horror should be dictated as. And because of that, it will always have my respect. Yeah, well said. Very well said. Did Napoleon really create the croissant? I was going to look that up. <laughs> I was trying to look up last night if the gorilla painting was a real thing. <laughs> I fucking love that gorilla painting. But I couldn't, I mean, I can't find anything that says it existed before the movie. But um, yeah, the gorilla painting is fantastic. Super that is funny. the single best piece of eroticism in the entire film. <laughs> Sean, did you happen to notice the gorilla painting? I, I don't. Re I don't remember. Oh, watch it again. How Go did ahead. you miss it? <laughs> I probably saw. She, she glances back to it like two or three times. <laughs> I, so I did make a note that says this guy's apartment tells me he's a real cunt, a wannabe Frasier. 
<laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? Um, I also have a note that says pick up turkey. Because doesn't she start <laughs> making a note at some point, like a shopping list? Yeah, yeah, and then she looks at the painting of the gorilla with like its legs crossed or whatever, and she writes nuts on the list <laughs> under turkey. And then pans back to the gorilla again, and it's just... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish I'd gotten more gorilla, more erotic gorilla. I also find it cool that, that this film has a lot going on for it, surrounding only one death. Yeah, there's only one killing in the entire yeah. movie, and albeit graphic, it's like it's not it, it. You that's the other thing I thought that going going into it originally when I first watched it was like because I was expecting an atypical slasher. I was expecting mm-hmm. a body count, and when that didn't happen, it actually kind of took me by surprise because it made me pay attention, you know. So that that I, that I respected about it. Also, it's like okay, how can I make a slasher with only one killing? Yeah. <laughs> again like i'm not going to give you what you want screw you i'm going to do this my way and, and i always like i said it just goes back in line with what i was saying about that earlier i actually like it a little better thinking thinking about it more from that perspective um I, i'm not trying to alter your viewpoint if you have oh, no, no, de- you, definitely, I mean, definitely not that's what no, always I, happens I mean, though it always when we talk about it, we like it better because you hear other people's and you're like, oh, I didn't think about that, right? That's and why I like to do this. Yeah, that's why I like to do this. And again, I did not hate the movie. I I hated the first thirty minutes, but after that, um, it 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 did help hold my attention, um, and I did enjoy it. I do also have a I have some issue with the way they do the whole big reveal at the end with the whole transsexual thing. Can I can I read what you wrote to me earlier because I think it's yeah, hysterical. Go ahead. <laughs> this go movie ahead. explains transsexuals like they are explaining what a werewolf is or something. <laughs> it totally does. Like I feel like like it's some kind of monster and I don't have a problem with that being part of the reason but I feel like they should have okay well you know he he had a psychotic break due to feeling you know like he was a woman trapped in a man's body and it made him develop these split personalities you know or something to that effect but they they were they were explaining it like it was some kind of monster and it just it feels dated it you know, and it just feels incorrect and it kind of bugged me. Um, I also realized it was transgressive for its time. And, and again, I don't, like, I think it was, if it had been explained a little differently, it would have been just fine. Like, it, it's a good, shocking reveal. I just I don't like the way it was done. And and then you know that whole clip with the trans person on Donahue, who you know kept saying, and they kept saying transsexual with a lisp, like it was supposed to be funny, and it just. I'm not usually nitpicky about that kind of stuff, but it just kind of rubbed me wrong.
I happen to love when uh, Nancy Allen's describing the surgery over lunch. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. I mean, and you see, you see the old rod behind her. Yeah, she's clutching her pearls. <laughs> the worst <laughs> thing she's ever heard in her life. It's fucking hysterical. But I mean, it's funny to see that kind of you know behavior going on to this day. You know, like there's there's it's 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 still a very current topic, or or you know of topic as far as you know the stuff going on and and in the headlines and just in in America in general, it's, it's very topical. And, uh, it's, it's just funny to see that bit where the lady's like visually disgusted at lunch, (laughs) clutching her pearls. It's just, it's one of the best scenes, um, you know, right after the, the, you know, the whole everybody, everybody's quote unquote safe, you know, Mm. uh, part of the film it was just like okay let's throw in a little bit of comedy here to kind of lighten the mood after you know it's gotten to some very dark places so i was glad that he was able to do that placement and then it was kind of weird to plunge you back in the scene in the sanitarium is fucking weird it is weird it's weird and then again like missy said with these odd aerial shots where you see the camera Mm -hmm. you know moving up through the various levels and i was like what sanitarium has all the nuts just walking around in the middle of the night? Dude, you know? seriously. And they're standing around watching him. I was like, what is watching, this a dream I was like, sequence? This is bizarre. It's and it was, but how how odd and and wild that he was able to pull that off, you know, and and create that scene because it is very I mean, terrifying. You look at some of them mm-hmm. walking around like zombies. It's very it, it's not horrifying at all, but it is, you know, it is a uh, fear invoking for sure. And, you know, then to get to, you know, the, um, the second death of the film, which, you know, didn't happen. Right. Because again, it's a dream sequence. Uh, that's where it kind of went over the top. And that's, that's when I actually felt the film went overboard where it was like, okay, now he's giving you, the popcorn bit that yeah, people yeah. want from modern slashers now this is where he's giving you this part and again it's like okay this is silly again fuck you i'm going to show you how silly your genre can be sometimes you know okay so i i, I kind of see where he's where that that seems to me like he's poking fun at the genre at that point that's interesting I but, okay because my initial reaction to that was why did it end like it's literally the same ending as Carrie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then going into the scene where, you know, he's outside the house, that's very Michael Myers, young Michael Myers stalking his family's home yeah. before he kills his sister, which I love that scene. And I was like, okay, this is, this is, I, I get this, you know, I, I see where this is going. And then the shower scene and whatnot. And then again, another nod to, psycho in my opinion um and then the slicing of her throat which is still very terrifying and then her waking up and you discovering it's all a dream and it's like okay cool dream sequence what's more terrifying though um the spoonful of what you wanted to see out of this horror movie or 
the reality where this woman is now traumatized for the rest of her life and will probably be having nightmares for the rest of her life like this. Yeah, that's a good point. What's 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 worse? You know what I mean? And what kind of what kind of audience member are you? What did you relish in more? You know, so it's it's very. I don't know. That's just something that I probably overanalyzed at, at, at one no, point. No, I don't think so. I, I, I don't think so at all. That's a very good point. Actually, mm -hmm. that it's uh, a very good point because that is the whole that that is the whole point of that. And I, I guess I did kind of forget that that was actually a dream sequence. It is very. Um, you kind of get lost in the movie by that point, uh, which which is is cool, and it, it's just the whole ending is so stark, and that is the takeaway. It's like, oh shit! Like, you know, she goes in and she's she's loaded for bear because it's like, oh, you mind if I take my jacket off? And it's like, oh, she's like ready to fuck, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> here yeah. you go, you know. And I mean, that's got to be. The, and it's one it definitely gets it across that like i like the sense of danger there like the kids outside the window trying to keep track of what's going on and he's a kid uh -huh. right he's a kid with binoculars you know what i was waiting for during that scene in the rain because you're watching the lightning flash behind him i'm waiting for the killer to show up behind him yeah yeah and it, and it never happened it never happened yeah it never happened and you know again the whole tug and cheek thing by the end of it is Michael escaped the sanitarium and came home. Michael came. <laughs> I guess at that point, we don't know who the killer is as the audience, right? Because, okay, so I'm watching this already well, like well aware. So, and this is a case where that has, I think in a, in a lot of cases I can, I can hold on to like, Oh yeah. But at this point, I don't know. But so at that point in the movie, if you're watching it for the first time, you don't know. So you would be expecting the killer to show up behind him. Mm -hmm. So that's totally the Palma playing, like you said, with the genre. So that's see, part of this, too, is like I feel like this movie with me, its reputation already precedes itself. So the, another thing about this movie, which is both good and bad, is that an audience in 1980 would have been blown the fuck away. And mm -hmm. that it's kind of a Hitchcock thing, right? It's like everybody knows what Psycho is now. So if you watch Psycho for the first time now, you have to remember to add the context right like oh janet lee bigger star gets killed you know it's scream right same thing obviously that that's a a huge nod to psycho on scream's part but it is funny how once a movie becomes an institution it's robbed in a way right like it's a part of what it did originally to people is removed now you can say I got a laundry list of movies that I had such a great theatrical experience with. I've been reticent to ever watch them again because I'm like, I tend to go into movies as blind as possible. And I tend to not guess stuff because I'm just trying to like roll with it as it goes. Right. So, you know, I mean, people will look at movies and be like, Oh, well, but if you take away the trickery or like once you know it's so inane or whatever and it's like i feel like i'm doing a little bit of that with this movie and i don't think it's fair because while a movie is not just the shock like there should be something beyond it and i definitely think that that this has something beyond whatever shock but but also like yeah an audience in 1980 like 
they would not have known. Sean, I want you mentioned when you were watching it though about the discarded clothing, which I had not noticed until you pointed it out, and then um, when I watched it a second time, I was looking for it. Um, you know, and and definitely, you know, the gloves and the panties for sure. But I mean, there's also clothing that gets like forgotten and removed throughout the movie too, because she goes back for. I mean, she goes back and gets killed because she left her wedding ring behind. Oh, yeah. oh God, yeah. And... Um, she forgot her bracelets. She puts them back on. But then she's almost out of the building. And then she goes back up because she realizes she lost her wedding ring. So she goes back up. And then Bobby is, you know, waiting for her and pushes her way into the elevator. Um, and then... We also have uh, Liz later on with the whole thing with the jacket. Yeah. Um, and and those gloves being discarded, like it goes first, she drops the first glove. Then um, the stranger that she uh, has sex with. We'll call him Mr. Syphilis. <laughs> that is one of the. It's the best moment in the movie. I yeah, that is <laughs> that is the best. Um, Worst moment of my life. Like I laughed my ass off. That and I, I guess whoever programs the ads on Tubi is uh, just has a sense of humor. Because um, when I was watching it, like that whole scene where she's going at it with the stranger in the cab, and, and like she's just about to like start screaming, and it cuts to some some ad, some goofy ad about some stupid <laughs> medication or something. <laughs> But it, just the way it was timed, I laughed my fucking ass off. That's awesome. <laughs> Which is, you know, it's not the movie's fault. They're trying to build tension. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But somebody at Tubi is like, oh, it'll be really funny if, you know, when she's about to orgasm, we put in this this really ridiculous ad. <laughs> I told a buddy of mine that I was going to watch this, and he'd never seen it, and he was like, oh, well, I want to check it out before the episode drops. And he'd given me an interesting take where he thought Michael Caine was trying to pin the uh, murder on a trans person and thought that when Michael was going to kill uh, Nancy Allen's character, that the actual trans person showed up outside to shoot him through the window and it was really interesting take that 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 uh until you know it always revealed later and then his penis when it gets hard and <laughs> you know before all that stuff but i thought it was a pretty cool interesting take that he thought that there were because for, he for a second he was like are there two of them because they remember that there was no uh nancy allen's character had no idea that that female officer had been following her around and right, neither right. do we so that is right. yeah I actually really like the way they did that because so Kirsten, I she she catches shit visually that I would never fucking catch. The way that goes down where she gets into the cab and she sees, right? She sees and and then you have the cab chase, right? And she's like, that didn't look like the same person. I'm like, yeah, it did. She's like, no, it didn't. And she, you know, like gave me like oh no the hair was short or something and i was like huh 
He's really good at that. She always catches stuff we don't see. Blows me away because I, but and then I was I I was literally like you're reading too much. I'm thinking you read what are you talking about? And then I forget what it is, but you <laughs> quickly right. you quickly realize because what like oh wait a minute no he's at his office so they could I'm like I was like wait a minute what? And I'm like okay wait a minute so so there's a shoe that's gonna drop at some point and then it takes forever and you forget about it and that happens and just like your buddy there is a moment because it is almost like the killer shows up behind him at some point right and mm-hmm. and you're like so there but it's so quick and it's like what is happening and then the way they they explain that at the end um and just i do feel like having the dennis franz character subtracts from it he, he he sullies the moment a little bit but it it threw me off too i backed that up a couple times trying to see what it was and because it looked like he was in two places at once yeah because you see you you see bobby through the window and then you see what looks like bobby come up behind him and like behind peter and grab like grab his face and pull yeah. him down and then bobby's in the room right behind um Liz and attacks her and I'm like, wait, what the I, I thought that I you know that I missed something and I backed it up once or twice but couldn't really see anything and then it gets explained in that final scene. Oh, it's you know you know, office I don't remember her name, Detective Lady Cop that he had follower. My buddy also thought for a brief moment that there were two killers. Okay, I, I can I see, that. see that because I I thought that for a second too. I'm like, wait, was yeah. there a, like a another person that I didn't know about? He thought that one of them was outside offing the kid while Michael Caine was doing his thing in the office. He thought that there were two killers, and but he also fell for the for the uh, the dream ending also. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> oh, I knew that yeah. was a dream because her when he slits her throat, it's in a mirror. You don't see it head uh, on. Oh, interesting. Nice. Nice. Now they had me. I I thought that was, and there was because uh, th- th- it it does it in a way where this is wait what because it's plausible and then it becomes unplausible. But then you're like, but is anything unplausible in this movie? So I'm reading on the back of this thing too that I guess there was cuts to this film because it was trying to avoid an X rating. Okay, and. The okay. Blu-ray that I have, and I don't know which version you guys saw, there is an unrated cut. I'm assuming it's film. not the unrated cut that is on Tubi. I'm just I'm just I, gonna assume that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not certain. But yeah, like this has a little more um a little more nudity, like the like the shower scene where like, Oh, there's the, lots the, of nudity still on Tubi. It's not cut yeah. out. Yeah. Oh no no no, I'm sure. But yeah, like this had like a I, and I'm not I don't know which version is floating around on Tubi or not but like the one that I watched had like a full on like masturbation scene where you can see like everything and mm-hmm. so that's the one that's floating around on Tubi that's probably what it was but yeah, the, it uh, I guess yeah this one was originally set to have an X rating and had had to go through you know some a pretty heavy uh, some pretty he- heavy editing to get down to an R rating hmm. um, this Arrow copy has quite a bit of you know cool bits and stuff on here there's actually um there is a, a 
a thing on here that that splits the screen and plays the movie simultaneously with the R-rated and unrated cut at the same time, top to bottom in a split screen, which oh, is wow. kind of a cool feature, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to sit down and watch that. But it's 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 a kind of a cool feature featurette that's on there. Um, no, I I I don't have too much more to say about the movie other than you know I think it's a it's a staple to Palma film. Um, I would hope that people would give it a chance again to see. Um, you know, that, that, uh, again, that time capsule, that time capsule of films that is, is, is not, uh, or that aren't very, you know, again, hatchet and machete to the face type movies. And there's nothing wrong with liking that stuff either. No, you know? No. You know, we have our, we have definitely have our American version. Hell, even Jason Voorhees had black leather gloves on. <laughs> you know, like it just became this, you know, staple to the, uh, modern, um, modern slasher killer what have you you know what i mean it just there's all these cool bits to it and i really hope that people um listening will will give it a chance and i hope we haven't spoiled it too much for for the listeners i would hope that people um see the appreciation that he had for everything going on abroad and domestically like i said earlier just to sum up what i said you know and and i still do enjoy the film um Again, I like I like now with you know having a much uh, I, I enjoyed my viewing now much more so you know several years ago with a much broader s- scope and, and and wider view to look at because I'm able to see and pick up a lot more things and appreciate what he'd done and yeah that's that's my only takeaway from it is, is that and and the only thing that I, I hope for for you know listeners and potential viewers of the film that they'll be able to see those things and go go into the um the viewing not expecting your traditional hack and slash and also see that um the palma has a has an eye that is craftfully uh used throughout throughout his uh cinematic filmography there's so much cool shit that this guy's done and uh, I mean, the Fury sisters, yeah, even you love or hate, love or hate uh, the Black Dahlia murder. You know, there's there's uh, the Black Dahlia. There's there's some really cool stuff in that too. Even up to like Passion, um, uh, probably you know three or four years ago. Like there's 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 still a lot of really amazing things that this guy does with modern cinema that that it are it's not really being looked at or talked about as much these days. But uh, he's still out there. The guy's still making films, and he's he's still wonderful at it. And I, I think he can be or, or should be appreciated uh, just as much as any Argento film. You know, just just as as much as an Argento or a or for that matter a Wes Craven. You know. I, oh yeah, just, yeah, yeah. He, he's just he's he's fantastic. And and again, you know, if if you choose to follow him and watch him meander through various genres, he will take you on some adventures that are fantastic, much like Sean said, um, much like Sean said earlier with like Carlito's way and stuff like that. He's done some fucking outstanding work, by the way, I don't know if you knew that uh, arrow is putting out a 4k uh, super duper special edition of fucking Carlito's way. Really? That's coming out very soon. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very soon. I think maybe even next month, if I'm not mistaken. Missy final thoughts. I mean, I think it was a very interesting, it's a very interesting film to watch. 
it's definitely worth checking out. It's a little slow in the beginning. Give it 30 minutes. And once I got past the 30 minute mark, I really did enjoy the film. And there is a lot of good imagery and the cinematography is gorgeous. So give it a chance and draw your own conclusions. It's, it's definitely worth checking out. So for the horror vision elements of horror, I'm Sean. I'm Missy. I am Anthony of Avernus. And I think I'm going to go on eBay and look for that gorilla painting. <laughs> <laughs> that gorilla painting is fantastic. I don't know where I left. I don't know where I left my panties. <laughs> oh, the the cab. Okay. okay. <laughs> Note to self. Okay. After the show, I'll. I'll... <laughs>